Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome to TalkZone.com, the home of motivation with a purpose, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, where we attempt to inspire, motivate, and challenge you to live and work with purpose. I'm Rich Alstrom, and once again, my co-host is Zeke Bambolo on another exciting edition of Motivation with a Purpose. Today's topic, we tackle identity, and specifically identity based on the business world with our guest, Mark Sabo, who is going to be joining us in a very few moments. And Zeke, this is obviously a very important topic with a lot of financial matters going on right now in the world around us and a lot of small business and big business owners listening to us on this Friday afternoon. And identity is, I know, a topic close to your heart. Indeed, you talk about what's going on with uh, financial institutions and the fiscal cliff and everything, but even more, what's going on with tax season? And um, our uh, our guest uh, has some phenomenal information to talk about there to give us from that perspective. But um, at the end of the day, it comes down again to our integrity, integrity, especially as believers, or even if we're not believers, hey. Uh, Mark is going to put us on a place where we're thinking a lot deeply, a lot deeper, if I can say, about how and why we handle financial issues, especially as business owners or very uh, executives or just being involved in the business world. And that, I think that's something that a lot of times we gloss over our eyes. You know, we're not thinking a lot of time. We want to just put it off to another little segment here. We want to compartmentalize is what the word is what I'm looking for. We want to compartmentalize everything when it comes to those issues and especially uh, make sure that our personal lives do not interfere with our business lives. And we become split personalities, if I can say it better, any better than that. We become split personalities in those six situations. So we're looking forward to what Mark has to say, and I think it's going to touch our audience very greatly as you think about it in this time of uh, this time of the year. And two of the other things that I think Zeke is going to be interesting about our conversation with Mark Sabo is that he's going to talk about a couple of other things that are very important: provision plus acceptance. And even the word love is going to have a unique uh, place in our conversation today. And we want to remind everybody at this time to look for us once again at TalkZone.com, the Mm -hmm. Talk Channel page, and check us out on both Facebook and Twitter on Facebook, MWP Radio AM, and on Twitter, MWP. MWP Radio Man, and check out our brand new site, MotivationWithThePurpose.com, as we keep making improvements through the weeks and days to come. That will be your official home for Motivation with a Purpose, MotivationWithThePurpose.com. Zeke, i got to ask you, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, looking forward to Christmas and the holiday season, how to go for it. It's been a terrific time. We you know my my wife and I are very deliberate 
with our children, especially about community and family. And so we we try to find areas that are, you know, our, certainly my brother lives close by with his family as well, but we literally just try to find some time that is quiet and and uh, spend time more with uh, our family and community, you know, you know having another couple of other uh, couples that are, are very close to us as well. And so it has been a phenomenal and easygoing time and I can say I'm kind of I'm rested but I'm ramping up to what's what's uh what 2013 has in store for us and even with MWP and other projects that we're working on uh, we're looking forward to to a big year coming up so it's been a phenomenal time can't complain at all cannot complain excellent excellent and in that spirit and tradition Let's uh, take a moment here and introduce our guest, Mark Sabo. Mark Sabo holds an MBA from Seattle Pacific University, and he has been an adjunct professor of accounting at Northwest University and a lecturer at the University of Washington Business School, Highline Community College, and Central Washington University. And after 30 years as a finance and operations executive, Mark Sabo is well-positioned to help lead an organization's future growth in all areas of business, and we welcome Mark Sabo to this edition of Motivation with a Purpose. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Rich and Zeke. How are you folks? We are doing great, and we're excited to have you tell your story. So I'm going to just turn it over to you, Mark, and let's start at the beginning. Sure. uh, Because you have a very, very interesting story to tell about love and provision and making some very, very key decisions. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Um, you know, I like what Zeke had to say about uh, kind of a split personalities, or at least uh, in my case, I thought of a bit of a split image. Um, my, my story is, you know, I'm not speaking from being a professional speaker by any means, but it's going to be a story of being real and authentic authenticity in what I'm going through. And I, I say that uh, intentionally, what we're still kind of going through. Uh, we learned a lot, but it's a story of my identity, my identity of what I thought my identity was, and I, I will definitely touch on what provider meant to me, and then a, a during a decision-making, a poor decision that I made, what I thought my identity was there, and then what now my, my new identity is, um, mm-hmm. having come out of uh, some dark periods and trying to come into the light, so... Beforehand, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in a very successful business family. I was the youngest, and I was um, a people pleaser, and it was about, you know, what do you want me to be? And my identity was based on something of that I had to earn it. Um, you know, it was a performance-based identity. Uh, reputation and image were very, very strong with me, and, and ultimately it got to be, you know, it's my ability that's going to take me places. And, you know, a little bit later on, I like this quote, it's from a a pastor of ours that uh, preceded our current pastor, and his name is Jerry Cook at Eastside Foursquare Church, and he wrote a book, and, and this really touched me, it says, the greatest issue we face in being Christians is not one of, of ability, but of identity. And, you know, that's what I was. I was a human doing more than human being, uh, and the... Uh, the whole idea of provider, uh, Rich, uh, you mentioned it, and, and it meant everything to me. And so provider, to me, 
meant acceptance plus love. It, it meant to me that my identity was based on what I could give to my family, and mm-hmm. by being a provider, they would then fully accept me and, and fully love me. And my it just got kind of twisted there in that it wasn't a grace-filled identity. It was a performance-based identity. And then that led, so with that as a background, you know, again, I grew up in this uh, in this family business, and the whole idea of credentials and degrees were very, very important to me, and I wanted to uh, be accepted by my own family and, and have a place at this entrepreneurial kitchen table, as I call it, um, you know, to have a voice. And so I um, had a period of... Uh, I did have some brokenness in my life that led me to the Lord in 2003, and that was just just a beautiful thing. And I thought from that point, well, it's all it's it's, it's going to be beautiful and roses, and mm. it was certainly beautiful, um, but it hasn't been full of roses. Um, but the deal is, is that five years after I became a Christian, in a very powerful sense. I um, was in May of 2008, I was walking across the stage, and that stage was at, um, I guess now, Century Linkfield Quest back then, to receive my MBA in finance. And it was very important for me to go to a Christian school uh, to get a graduate degree. I wanted to have done that. You know, I was a CPA for 25 years, and that kind of wasn't enough. And I wanted to even you know, augment that or, or add to it, you know. And, you know, when I walked across that stage, I remember feeling, wow, now I'm marketable. You know, now I'm, now I'm knowledgeable. And the Christian and business were merging together for like the first time in my life. Uh, my business mindset had been, I kind of win at your expense. I mean, that was unfortunately my... My thought pattern, not that I did anything wrong, but I just kind of was not thinking so much as um, we all win together, but I certainly wasn't fully merging my uh, Christian walk with, or my newfound Christian walk with, with my past business. And I always did ethical things. I mean, that, that wasn't an issue, but, you know, I always wanted to, uh, you know, do well in business, and that's what I thought it meant. So going to SPU meant a lot to me. It was the first time, again, my new uh, image and identity were merging business and Christianity together. So then what the deal was, was about eh, nine months prior to that, I had just accepted a position to be an in-house CPA for this firm, for this company that had... A um, very well reputable company in the Seattle area, and my position was to do income taxes for the family's business and for the family personally. Uh, they were a very high net worth family, and I was very nervous about my ability. And I was thinking that uh, you know, boy, I was a controller at Cairo TV in Seattle. I had a corner office position. I had a uh, position in Detroit at TV station, but it was about business. It wasn't about taxes, but then that whole what I'm supposed to be kind of came back, and what I was supposed to be was a CPA, and I was supposed to know taxes very well, in fact. And Mark, so, 
Yes. Mark, yes, yes. yes what I, I want you. I mean, I, I want you. Uh, I like what's going on. I want, we want you to continue to tell your story just like you are. And we're going to interrupt you every once in a while, like I'm doing right now. So Please. forgive me. But I want you to, as you go through this, you know, just, just just as you roll to this next level, give us a little bit of the backdrop. I know you talk about being in a family business, disabled yes. business, back you know in, in the day. But how about the setting of your own family, your wife, your you know? What, give us a little bit of a view into that setting as well as yeah. you as you embark on this next step please yeah thank you um i've been married 25 years uh, 27 now <laughs> to janice and we have two boys 25 and 20 and uh we moved we you know we we're from flint michigan and moved to to seattle and to do take this job at at cairo tv and um then i think the the, the part that i wanted to mention here is what what happened when I was um, the decision that I made in May of 2008 was that there was my job was to provide accounting services, as I mentioned. And so I was under payroll. And what happened is um, health insurance was real important to me to be that provider for my family, for Janice, Jared, and Evan. And then what happened was, the an invoice came through from the parent company to the company that I represented, and in so the health insurance increased. Well, we never talked about what would happen when the health insurance increases, and so I did not increase my own withholding, and I was in charge of payroll. And one of the reasons kind of goes back to my upbringing a bit, being in a family business, because I got in a little bit of a disagreement members of the business and and that person um wanted me fired because I turned I had a company car and they and I turned back the company car it was you know I had books all over the place from taking three classes in my final uh, SPU business classes to get my MBA and I was doing this tax season for the first time and so I was, I was very nervous um you know, getting everything done, I basically went to McDonald's a lot, and I had some uh, wrappers they put down in the car, and they got soiled. And this person was mad at me, very mad at me, and he wanted me fired. And so what happened then, I tied that together with this invoice across my desk that I did not increase my withholding for. The, the key thing there is that I didn't even realize it. And it was $45, the increase. And I didn't even realize it for like two months later. And then two months later, that's when the fear just took over. And that's when I said, oh, my Lord, I can't go back to them and tell them that I just didn't withhold enough. I'm responsible for payroll for myself. They signed the checks, but it's my job to be responsible for preparing my own payroll. And what would they think? And fear just gripped me and I thought okay Mark just perform just do it on your own so what I thought I could do was the next time it came about a year later I would just increase my withholding and I'll be good well that lack of courage to disclose and I crossed the line for $45 uh, even though the next year I did withhold more, but then for two years after then, I did not. And then I was let go, 
for business reasons in July of last year, 2011, it was pure business reasons that I was let go for because not everybody needs a CPA to do the taxes. And that right there is when the darkness, I, I can kind of stop right there if you want. That's when, that's when the total darkness set in on me. That I uh, was, well, uh, yeah, go on, go on, Mark. And so in, on July of last year, we were at, we were doing a little college trip with our youngest son. And we went to, uh, we were in Oregon. And we got, I got this letter, or this email. That said, hey, uh, Mark, when you when you get back from vacation with your family, would you mind coming and seeing us? Um, we want to, we just want to talk to you in our office. And the thing that came up right then was, Janice and I, we prayed hard, but it was all about because we we you know Janice didn't know anything about what was going on, and it was I was numb through it myself. But what I thought totally was, was going to go happen was that I would be released of my job just because they would eliminate the position. Nothing from what I did, just that they didn't need a CPA in-house. And sure enough, I went in on Monday morning, and they said, Mark, you know, thanks a lot for, for all that you did. You know, you know, you're with us four years. You were uh, a trusted person, and, you know, we, we really appreciate what you did. And if you would, just, you know, just kindly wrap up everything. You know, just give us uh, everybody there taxes back and tell them where it's at. And then what happened was um, I did that. And I left on July 31st. I got a two-week severance and I left. And I was fine. It was just fine. I was on my way for a new career, but it was fine. And I literally left there without even thinking. I, I just thought it was over. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't over at all. In fact, it was just beginning. And yeah. It was just beginning. And then on August 15th was the first, it was two weeks later, but it was the first payroll. And it was so much out of my mind, and I know, Rich and Zeke, this is kind of hard to imagine, but it was so much out of my mind that I actually, in the morning of August 15th, wrote a letter an emailed letter to the family and said, you know, you got a really strong name in the marketplace and I'm trying to get this, uh, my business financial horizons. I was trying to, uh, which I provide CFO services and, you know, it just tie in. So I wanted to go after their industry. And boy, with your, with your backing, I said in my letter, and with your backing, that would really help me a lot. And so about three hours later, they wrote back and they said, "Hey, Mark, we would uh, we'd love to, you know, before before we can give you a reference. We just came across the payroll, and we noticed the discrepancy in the amount you withheld from health insurance. And could you explain why?" Right. We'll hear more from our special guest, Mark Sabo, on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. 
Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. I'm Rich Hallstrom along with my guest, along with my co-host Zeke Bambolo, our very special guest, businessman Mark Sabo, with a very interesting story about integrity and the choices we make this morning on the Motivation with a Purpose radio show. Before we left uh, the conversation, Mark, you were bringing us up to a very, very key point, a story in which you were asked about a particular invoice and a meeting that you were going to have. I've got to ask you at this point, uh, did the idea of fear or that word fear point appear in your mind at that time? And no. uh, kind of tell us about that. Yeah, thanks, Rich. You know, it, that's what is so strange about this whole thing. At that point, when I went into that meeting and when I went in, uh, in, in July, based on the email, I went into the meeting. I mean, I did not go with my tail between my legs. I didn't go thinking that I'm busted. I didn't go with anything other than saying, okay, let's hear what they have to say. And, you know, it's going to be that the position is eliminated, um, you know, business is down, and, you know, it doesn't make business sense. And I went in with no fear. Mm. I, I went in with no fear. The fear came in when it was, you know, prior, during, but on the anniversary of these invoices that I didn't, you know, withhold more. That mm-hmm. was the initial fear. Then, then became numb, and it was very scary that that could happen. It became yeah, numb Ma- to me. Mark, and that's that's part of where we are because you know when we were doing a show titled. Uh, discussion. Uh, we have m- many discussions here on motivation with a purpose, and sometimes we are motivated by fear and use that motivation by fear in a wrong uh, manner. Or sometimes we have this uh, analysis paralysis by analysis as well. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. looking at this discrepancy. You know very well as an accountant that hmm, yeah. there's, there's no way this looks good. Uh, you've got a decision: should I go in here and make this and take the stance and, and and make it clear right now, or you know? So really, what was the how was the wrestle during that time? Which what was what was the fear like? Was it that in, it was again we're talking about paralysis or yep. it's just what was the motivation? Well, it, it, it was just absolute fear that I wouldn't be able to be the provider for my family because mm. if I was to be found out, if I was to go to the family and tell them what I did, then I wouldn't be that provider to the family. Mm. It was for, as they say, for $45, and, and it was looking back for nothing. And, we're, you know, we're still going through this, and we're still having ramifications through it. That $45 was literally a drop in the bucket. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and when I received that August 15th phone call or the email, you know, I just came right out and said, when they said, can you explain it? My answer was no, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then all of this came just gushing out of me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the letter, you know, I didn't seek a lawyer. I just said, yes, I did it. And I can't explain it but how can I pay it back to you? And I just came right out and admitted I did it. I hung, I got off the email. I called Janice, and I said, Janice, you got to come home. you, you got to come home. She was doing some shopping. She said, yeah, you know, give me give me a few minutes, Mark. And I said, Janice, you got to come home. Well, by this time, she's known me 30 years, and she knows that tone. She came home, and I looked at my wife in the eye, and I said, I stole money. Mm. I stole money from my company. 
And she said to me, why? And that hurt her. She, she, we've, we've done some talks together at SPU's business school. And when she talks about it, she's very tearful. And she says, if there's ever words you could take back, it was those words of why. Mm. I thought those words were fine to say. I couldn't answer it. But I thought those words were fine to say. I think I would have said it. I became very disconsolate. I didn't say a word. I couldn't answer why. We were sitting in the car in our garage together and for three hours. She says, Mark, you got to talk to me now. You, you, you have to talk to me. And I'm not saying a word. And the enemy was just all over me. Yeah. You know, yeah. how could I do this? How could I? And then the enemy was saying, Mark, this, this is your identity. This is who you are. That thing that happened five years ago at that beautiful place called Malibu, a young life in British mm-hmm. Columbia, that's not real, Mark. That was the anomaly. The real Mark is this. This is the real Mark. And then it progressed. Three days later, I was on campus with our son who did decide to go to George Fox University, which is a Christian business, well, not business, necessarily, liberal arts, uh, Christian school. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just surrounded by people that are happy and joyous and free, a beautiful campus, totally reminded me of SPU. And the teachings and what the administration said was that, parents, you should be very proud of yourself. You have sent your child to a school that teaches high morals, ethics, just like you have at home. We'll be extension. And all along, I'm just melting into my seat because that wasn't me. That was everybody else in that room, but that was not me. And that whole thing came back like I'm a fraud. It wasn't that I committed fraud, that I am a fraud. And so Mark, then, Mark yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask you something else. Because yeah. as you talk about this, one of the things that we do as men, and we're very good at this, and women as well, but primarily for men, especially heads of homes, and we get into these positions. And you're talking to right now that you talk to your wife. You're talking right now that you talk to your son. Uh, yet and still, Mark, one of the words that really, you know, it has many faces out there, but the word that gets to me as I hear you talk about that is isolation. And it could have been more of a mental isolation than a physical one, but yet and still, as soon as you hear what's going on, the accuser begin to isolate, or we begin to allow the accuser to isolate us, and we isolate ourselves. So talk about that isolation. I have a sense of some isolation at this point in time. Oh, it, was, it was major, Zeke. You're right on. It was, it was all about, well, what do I do? And my natural inclination was to run away. It was yeah. to it was to absolutely run away. I didn't know where to run to. Uh, you know, I, I will you know be candid here. Is I you know I grew up in an alcoholic family and um, I had my own issues with that. And in 2003, when I accepted Christ, is when I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. and that came to mind. I says, where do I go? What do I do? And it was all about running away. It was anything about facing. Anything. It was about running away. And in that, on that day, on that campus, was one of the turning points for me. Uh, one of the ones that came up because what I had to tell my oldest son 
again, two boys, so our oldest son was there, and I had just received another letter from the employer. We went to the financial aid office of George Fox University, and I had to go to computers, and we received another letter, and this letter said, we trusted you. We're deeply hurt. And in there, it got kind of legal, and they talked about some legal options they could do. But what really, really pierced at me as a man and as this provider, I'm sure it would maybe a woman too, but what pierced at me was when they said, you are, in, based on your actions, you are and never were what you claim. You were, are not the upstanding CPA, MBA that you claim to be. And Zeke, I took possession of that. That yeah. then just reinforced to me that I was this fraud. And so we go back with this in hand. We go back and sit in this quad, a beautiful complex. And my old son Jared is saying, dude, what's up with you? Why are you so somber? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't get up the nerve yet. That evening we went to dinner and with Janice, me, and my oldest son. And the youngest son went back to his dorm. And I said, Jared, i got to tell you something. I said, I committed fraud. He says, what? And, you know, that feeling of abandonment, the fear that I would be abandoned by my family and I'd be all alone, exactly gripped me. And I said to him what I did, and Jared said to me, he says, Dad, when I was in trouble, you were there for me. (laughs) And I'm going to be there for you, Dad. And when he looked at me and said that with with those eyes and said, "I'm I'm going to be here for you, and I didn't have that, I wasn't abandoned. And then I was able to, with that, Janice and Jared now, I was able to come more into the light. And I, I made a prayerful talk with God, talking with Janice, and said, you know, I'm really scared. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't want to be a reporter. I don't want to talk about this after the fact. I want to in, in bring into the light. I want to share with some brothers, uh, my brothers, the Christian brothers that I have in the Seattle area and at church. And I, saw, I went to our pastor, and, um, you know, we just had a change of pastors. We had a, a 65-year-old great pastor, Jim Hayford, retire, who I was really related to, and I loved his sermons, and just retired, and now we had a new guy, you know, who had been around, and DJ is, is awesome, but he's like 30, and I said, I don't know if I, it's myself, I'm saying, I don't know if I can relate to this guy. And so I called DJ, great, great guy. And but he was busy, you know, as a lead pastor, he's now busy. So he says, Mark, I, I just I can't talk to you today, but uh, I have appointments. Can you talk to Chris? Well, Chris was even younger. He's 28. And when I'm talking to Chris, my pastor, just one on one in this room, closed doors, and I'm just crying and I'm just letting it out. And Chris is smiling. And I says, Chris, Chris, man, man, what's going on? You're smiling. I mean. I, I, I just told you I committed fraud. He says, yeah, but that's what you did, Mark. You're owning up to it. You're, you're, you're admitting that you're confessing to God. You're confessing to me. And if you go to jail, I'm going to be in the courtroom with you, Mark. And you're going to be surrounded by people that love you. And it, you're going to be there. And, I, and it was just, oh, my gosh. It was just so much for me to take. It was just, it was just amazing. But then I realized a couple of or at least with that, I realized that and Janice and I tried to find the right time to talk to Evan, our youngest son. And Evan's more of an internal, hard-to-read 
guy. You know, we, we joke around a lot. I love sports and, 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 and tease a lot. Uh, and so we went down to George Fox on another Saturday. He had a, he had a game. He now made the freshman, or he has a freshman, he made the, um, George Fox soccer team. We went there and after we went to a park and I had the top down the car, beautiful, the early September day and had the top down. And I said to Evan what I did. And Evan just sat there. He thought, he, I don't know, at that time I didn't know what he was thinking, but he didn't say a word. He didn't make, he didn't make a sound. He was motionless. He, he didn't make an expression. And then he saw Janice having some tears. He saw Jared not laughing. And then Janice said to him, well, go hug your dad. And so he gets out of the car and he gives me a hug. And we just kind of ended that way. And I says, you know, thanks, Evan. And I'll take you back to your dorm now. And then I'm driving back home and, just all of this is in my mind and not sure where he's at. And we're driving back at, you know, about an hour from Seattle. And I said, oh, I got to call him. I got to, I got to text him, you know, driving and texting. Don't do it. But I did. And I said, I got to text him. And, and he later, well, he later told me something, but at that time, what he text, I, I texted to him. I says, Evan, thank you for letting me share, you know, have a good night. Love dad. And he wrote back, and he, and he texted back, he, says, he said, Dad, you're awesome. He says, I love you so much. And I, I drove, off, drove off the road. And he later talked to me that uh, just about a month ago, he, he just talked to me. He says, he says, Dad, I was mad. I was mad at you. Um, and he says, he says, just about a half hour before you texted me, I just had this feeling come over that says, he's still your dad. And then it just realized that what he texted to me, he texted to me acceptance and love. It was that whole thing that I thought my provision was all about. And as I was becoming less of being able to, as clients needed to leave me for business reasons, and I'm able to become a little less of a provider than I had been in the past, that I started receiving the acceptance and love, that was very powerful to me. Mark, what was it like to see that acceptance and love in a real way for the first time in your life? Because the, as you tell your story, that's what I'm sensing you saying, is that this was the first time that you really saw what acceptance and love was really all about. Uh, it was it was very real, Rich. It, it, it was like, you know, I, I initially had to fight back that, you know, I'm not worthy of this. And how could it? And I, I tried to analyze it and think through it. But then, if I then I just accepted it, and it felt so good. It, it, it felt I felt so close to my family and to others too. Um, I, I just I just felt so good. But I still didn't fully feel. I felt their forgiveness, and and I was talking to a professor who was. Uh, Someone I, I dearly loved. Uh, his name's Herb Kiroff at SPU. He's a great person. Been there a long, long time. And I, I, I told my professor what I did. And you know, he he thought I was up until then. You know, I think he really respected me for being a CPA after 25 years, coming back, get my MBA, a fairly recent Christian, now going to church, going to Bible studies. And I had to tell him what I did. And he just said, "There's Mark." He says. Uh, let me ask you a question. He says, do you think that God forgives sins? And I says, yes, yes, 
or I, I think God forgives. I, I believe that God forgives sins. And he said, "Do you think that Jesus Christ forgave you?" And I, I that one wasn't as immediate of a response. I gulped at that one, and because I'm trying to figure out how or why, and I finally said, "Yes, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't understand it, but I, I think He forgave me." Yes, Mark, have you forgiven you? And I said, "No, absolutely no, no." Because I would be reading Romans 8, where there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I read Psalm 91 at the end, where it talks about the promises. And it says, because he loved, because you love me, says the Lord, I will protect you, and I will even honor you and bring you to salvation. But to me, those the enemy was after me still, and saying, those are qualified statements, Mark. Those verses are qualified, and you don't qualify. Because how could you do this if you truly were in Christ Jesus? How could you do this if you truly loved God? You right. couldn't do it. And so during one of these times, I was talking to a, a client, and it was at a very tough time. And the client just had to say, Mark, I'm sorry. I just have to leave you for business reasons. I just felt this, uh, I don't know if it's words, calling, direction come over me and says, go to SPU. And, and I'm thinking, well, okay, I don't want to do anything. You know, I don't want to go to the bar or anything, so okay, I'm going to go to SPU. And so I went to, I started driving to SPU about 25 miles away, and it then hit me when I'm coming close to driving up to SPU. I says, oh, I know why I'm here. I'm supposed to teach a class because my friend Herb is taking a sabbatical. So I'm supposed to teach this class. I go into the dean of the business school. He said, Mark, how you doing? And I think, you know, he thought we were going to talk about the syllabus I was going to teach. For It was a master's of finance course. And I'm just cheering up, and he says, just a second, just a second. He closes the door, and he lets me tell his, my story. And he says to me, he says, Mark, he says, he says, I don't know what we can do. I don't know at this point what we can do with you teaching or not, but it may not be the right time for you not just our school, but may not be the right time for you. But he, and he looked me right in the eye and he says, I want to tell you something, Mark. He says, you are not disqualified. And that felt to me like Jesus Christ is just looking at me and saying, you are not disqualified. And again, I didn't feel abandoned. And the Holy Spirit is at work at me and, and allowing me to have some new openness, to stop running, to become vulnerable, and just to feel accepted and qualified. And that was very huge for me. More with Mark Sable on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. I am Rich Hallstrom. My co-host is Zeke Bambolo. And our guest today, businessman Mark Sable, with a fascinating story, a personal story about rediscovering his identity. And Mark, I've got to ask you, Rediscovering your identity sounds like that was the pivotal point that you had to overcome as you 
hear this redemptive story. And you talked about earlier about how you read the no condemnation to those who are in Christ verses. How was it for you to begin to rediscover your identity and realize that your identity wasn't wrapped up in money? How was that? Well, it's, you know, I, I just started realizing, you know, the real view of money is it's not ours. I felt, you know, by stopping running, I felt, I felt beloved. And that was just brand new to me. But it was that, you know, putting off of the old, you know, putting off of the identity that those letters, um, and as I say, my, if I didn't say, my, my CPA license did get suspended. But that was even a, a blessing because it, there was a period during this process that it was revoked and they allowed me to have it suspended. I saw and felt grace through this whole thing um, that God has just put people into my life that provided, he provided people into my life that, uh, for example, I am in a diversion program now, so there was no prosecution that could have been pretty serious prosecution. Um, I mean, like 10 years prosecution for a felony. But I was in a in a program that the diversion counselor, it was a three-year program, which was just awesome that I could, that he gave me the grace to go into this program. And after only seven months into the program, I just received a letter last week that said that I'm finished. That was my, my case was was legally dismissed, um, and it was just just an amazing grace filled thing. And the diversion counselor was a believer. When I went through the process of being booked, because I still had to get booked and fingerprinted in case I uh, defaulted on my diversion, which is basically probation, I went through and this police officer was, you know, just patting me down and I've never done, been through anything like this, nothing close. And I'm just really freaking out. And he was very stern with me. He says, you follow me wherever I go. You talk to nobody. And he took me into this room where I was uh, picture taken and, and booked. And then he told me to sit there and I said, yes, sir. And, and I just waited. And then when he led me out of there, he took me, and just before he let me back out on the street, he said to me, he says, Mark, he says, you, you look like a good guy. He said, I, I don't know fully well at all what happened. You look like a good guy. God bless you. And I just realized that through all of this, God never left me. He walked yeah. through it with me. And I would have never thought, because I no longer, you know, was doing it just based on performance. I didn't earn anything. In fact, if anything, I unearned it. Uh, but I, I was able to see and feel His grace, and that was just such a revelation for me. Mark, as you as you embark on this next segment of our, you know, turn towards our, I mean, good conversations with me on on these shows always goes too fast for my liking. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're doing it. And years ago, I mean, I am a man, much like you. I have younger kids, not older. I have younger kids, but I'm a man. I'm a husband. Yeah. Uh, I'm a father. And very frequently, when I talk to my children especially, uh, I tell them that good choices will provide us benefits, yeah. and bad choices will provide us consequences. Yeah. So as young as they are, 
they have to start to begin and look at life because in the same in the world of work, consequences and benefits exist on all through life. And so as we embark on this next, and as a man like you, I'm sitting here and I'm talking as much as I tell my children that. I have to deeply internalize my own concept, my own discussions with them, my concept that I'm wishing they will grasp onto of benefits and consequences. And you walk, you're trying to start to embark in this discussion on a point where you're now face to face with the literal, again, like you've never seen Joe before, never been handcuffed, none of that stuff. I cannot imagine you walking to, you know, doing the portrait and then a side turn, face forward, whatever markings right. are on him, you know. So walk us through this moment right now of consequences and benefits in light of what we've been discussing. Well, the consequences, uh, you know, there's been a negative impact with the, you know, some loss of clients, and as I say, the CPA license is suspended. But there's been uh, the, the the effect on my family that we're so close together. You know, Janice saw me and knew, knew me from a time that I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't even fudge a little bit on, on even a family member's tax return. I, I reported my travel expense expenditures exactly to the T. Uh, when I was young, I, I saw I made a night deposit from my family's business. And there's a bag of money, and I just shoved it back. She just saw this, but even still, it's affected us in a positive way that we've that's brought us together and. We've realized that we have to have the full trust in Lord, the full trust. Uh, Evan, when, when Jared saw me not running away, when my kids, and I think the kids of whatever age, they, 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 they are looking at us. You know, I think the heroes in their life is not the, you know, whatever video figures or superheroes. I think it's, I think it's us. And I think we, we need to be the leaders and they need to see us during these hard times. Are we real? Are we going to really walk this walk that we've been telling them about? What are we going to yeah. do when we're facing this crisis? And Janice and I have never been close, as, as close as we are now. And even we, we've been together 31 years. And she's with me right now, and, and it's just an awesome, awesome thing. So the benefits, the benefits of trusting in the Lord just are payback so much. I'm going to be able to recover. Uh, I, I, I know that. I trust in the Lord. I, I'm, people are going to hear my story, hopefully, and, and think something about how something, not the same story, but something in their life may be impacted um, for the good, I had some when I when I told this story at business school, SPU's business school. I had some 18 and 19 year old kids come up and hug me who I've never seen before. And one of the talks I gave, uh, there was a businessman that voluntarily got up and said, "You know, I've been uh, showing something on my website of my association with this firm I'm no longer with, and it's not true, and I'm going to change that." You know, so I think during the times, it's it's just important for us to realize that the benefits can come from just being real, facing what God put, what we put in front of ourselves, what God is with us through, and then dealing with the consequences. They're real, but we're going to be protected. That Psalm 91 says, he will protect us, and I believe that. Mark, what is it like for you to share your story? I know you touched on it a little bit, but I want you to share this a little bit more in our remaining moments. What's it like for you to share your story and see people's lives changed 
by all the things that you went through, even the consequences? Oh, boy. It, it, it just means so much to me. It, it means that, you know, the Lord is asking me to show up. He's asking me, you know, I'm nervous through these talks, and I'm nervous through this phone conversation now, and, you know, this conversation on the radio. I, I'm, I'm just nervous at times, but he's asking me just to face my fears, to show up, and that he will be there with me. And so I think what people are saying to me sometimes, they're saying, boy, that took a lot of courage to do that. And I don't have a lot of courage, and <laughs> this isn't me doing this. So I think the, how it's affecting people's lives is to say, wow, there's someone, he's not a professional speaker, he's, he's, he's just up there sharing his story. That's helping him, yeah, but it may be helping me to see in whatever my own situation is, you know. Um, I, 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 real quickly, what, what I end is in a dream, and I've had this dream that through this all, there's, there's just waves crashing against me of remorse, of shame. And I'm just this little baby or young boy holding on to Jesus because I can't handle him more. And we're in the water, and my back is to the waves crashing at me. And he puts them on the ground looking up at him, and I see that I'm all safe now. I look in his eyes. He's looking down at me as being this caring father, not smiling, just being a caring father to make sure I'm okay. I see in my dream that the waves are now calm. And then I see my life and my family way out in the distance. And I get up, I see that I'm okay, and I start running toward my life and my family. All good stuff, but I stop for the first time in my life. I stop, and I turn around, and I wave to Jesus, and I say, please come with me into my life. And so that's the benefit that I've received, that I know that he is with me through whatever is coming up. And that's something that I've never had before. That's amazing, Mark. In our remaining moments, what lesson would you like people to take away from today's show? That you are qualified. That, that in, in Jesus' eyes, we have the identi identity that we are children of God. That it's not anything that we can earn. Our provision is through Him. He's the one. It's His, what He provides is love and acceptance and His grace. And that's the key thing for me. Mark, we also have a good collection of, you name it, business owners, uh, people like myself, you know, we're trying to build something that from a business standpoint. And a lot of times, again, you've talked about something, and this whole ordeal, this whole situation in your life was due to a $45 discrepancy. Yeah. And like we said, you mentioned a phrase, of drop in the bucket. Yes. Okay. And, but it's, it's so, it's, you don't, I mean, that's something that happens very frequently, yeah. and we take it for granted when it comes to that truthfulness, that integrity. And, and so we'll talk a little bit, if you can, to those of us who are literally, especially with tax seasons around the corner and so yeah. forth, may have that spot or that moment, that choice of whether we do it or we don't do it. Help us out a little bit. Yeah, well, it's not worth it. it it's it's simply not worth it. Um, it. It's you know for that forty five dollars to complete the story did add up over time, and that forty five was. 
per pay and then with health insurance increasing. So it, it amounted to $8,600, and, and I paid it back in, in like three, four days. Uh, and so it, it, it starts small. It can very, very easily start small. It can be starting with some justification, rationalization, uh, oversight. And I just think that, you know, with the Lord, he's, he's just saying, you know, I, I want you to do the right thing for $45 or not. I just want you to do the right thing. And that's what matters uh, for us to do the right thing. And um, I'm learning to be very mindful very mindful to what would what would Jesus want me to do? I know it's mm. it's a bumper sticker, but what would Jesus want me to do? And He would want me to do the right thing, and then trust that He will provide. He'll He'll take care of that forty five dollars or that later eighty six hundred dollars. He'll take care of it. He'll take care. Mark, I have one final I have one final question. What would you say to someone who is maybe struggling this morning? Does God have my back? Can I really trust? Jesus to to be there for me. What would you say to that person? I'll say that I can relate to that person <laughs> because I I I, I question that. You know, when things were going well, uh, you know, I I felt like oh that's pretty good, but that was probably something that I did. And certainly during the when I came to Christ in two thousand three. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't a, there was some brokenness going on. So I think that it's important that during that absolute brokenness that we know that he's there. But in between, he's there. You know, it, it, it's on a daily basis that he's there. He'll, he'll be absolutely there during the extremes. And it's crucial if anybody is suffering from, from brokenness and unworthiness to just don't buy into that lie. That's a lie from the enemy. Jesus is about love. Jesus is about acceptance. And Jesus is about giving us his inheritance because he redeems us and he will take care of us. We are his children. He is our father. That's what we need to believe in. So if you're struggling, just believe that. And my case is just an example. It was even after I came to Christ that I still struggled. But this is something that Jesus revealed to me so that I could see my true identity. Thank you very much, Mark, for your inspiring story this morning. Mark Sabo has been our guest on Motivation with a Purpose. Check out his brand new company, Financial Horizons, on our Talk Zone Motivation with a Purpose page. I'm Rich Hallstrom for Zeke Bambolo, inviting you to join us for another exciting episode of Motivation with a Purpose next week here on Talk Zone. 